Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah, I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Listen to Iron Maiden, baby, with me. Ooh. Hello! This is the Relunchables Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. In each episode, we'll be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I am not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. This week, we are joined by who may be the GOAT of voice acting. I am talking about Rob Paulson. He's a flat-out legend and couldn't be a more nicer, more down-to-earth human being. I bring this up during the episode, but everyone we've had on, from Debbie Derryberry to Butch Hartman, have all mentioned Rob as the ultimate professional and the person you must have when working on an animated show. I really could not start a podcast about nostalgia and not have Rob Paulson. He's been in everything, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, he played Carl on Jimmy Neutron, he's been in Rick and Morty, and close to maybe a thousand other things. Just pull up his IMDb and take a look. It's going to take you a long time to get through it. Rob was one of those bucket list guests for me, and I think this episode, while it definitely gets somber at times, is one of the best we've ever done. Speaking of Animaniacs, tomorrow, Friday, November 20th, the reboot of Animaniacs comes to Hulu. So I'd encourage all my listeners to check it out. They did an awesome trailer, kind of playing off the Hulu does live sports where they just pay the athlete a ton of money. They kind of do that with the Animaniacs. So let's get right into my interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Rob Paulson. But not before we play the intro music to the Animaniacs. It's time for Animaniacs. And we say No, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And it's kind of funny because we've been doing this podcast for, for a pretty long time now, and you've kind of hovered over it the entire time because oh. we, we've had on Debbie Derryberry, who speaks so highly of you, who, of course, oh, voiced Jimmy great, Neutron. Yeah. Uh, we yes. had on Butch Hartman, who, of course, created The Fairly Odd Parents and Fairly Danny Phantom. Sure. Uh, we had on Doug Langdale, who created The Weekenders and Dave the Barbarian. And yeah. everyone says you're the ultimate professional. Everyone says Rob is the absolute best. So I'm just so curious. How did you have this reputation or did you just pay these people off? Well, hang on a second. First, I, I'm, I'm a heroin addict, so I'll be right back. I got to go get, just hang on a second. Um, 
No, can you hear me okay, by the way? Yes. I've got, okay. Um, look, there's no accounting for some of those idiots' taste. Uh, I, I don't know, Jordan. I, I, I'm, trust me, I have no trouble speaking, but I'm a little bit speechless because uh, th those folks you mentioned are all close friends. Um, Doug, Debbie, Butch um, have all been profoundly decent uh, to me and to others. So uh, right back at every one of them. Um, their reputations among um, folks who, who know such things here in Hollywood um, are also uh, um, beyond reproach. I, I really don't know. Um, it's Trust me, I'm a publicist, so I have no trouble talking about myself. <laughs> However, when I'm asked such a lovely yet disarming question, um, I'm uh, I'm really humbled, really. Um, they're all lovely people, really talented. Anytime, let me back up a little bit. Uh, 50 years ago? No, 40 odd years ago, I remember saying to my mom um, when she was concerned, as my father was, about you're leaving college, you're going to Hollywood? I mean, we love you, but respectfully, what the is wrong with you? Um, I said, well, mom, you know, there are a lot of people between Robert Redford and living in a ditch. Yeah. You know, um, I'm looking at my hat because I'm so cognizant of all that stuff. Anyway, God, it's weird how everything's bass backwards, including my career. Um, but I said, you know, mom, because she, her there, you know, I, I came from central Michigan. There, uh, or Flint, their, their um, concern was Hollywood. Well, either you're a big star or you end up a heroin addict in the gutter. And I said, you know, there are a lot of people between that and making it to me. I've been rich and I've been poor now and rich is better. But making it to me and now is really about I, I remember categorically saying, if I can gain the respect of the people whom I respect, then I will feel as though I've made it. And based on what you said, there are at least three people in Hollywood who uh, find me at least not off-putting. So to that extent, I'm not only humbled, but I've made it. Um, um, the, I, I, you're a young man. And there are people whom you work with who are your peers and your contemporaries, whether you know them personally or tangentially or via this medium, social media. And if you get to a place where they say, man, Jordan, oh, he's the real deal. When you get to that point, and you already have with several, I'm sure. But when they say, you know, Jordan, he's the greatest. Oh, yeah. I watch his show. I've learned from him. He's given me tips. I was in the dumps. Jordan's advice helped me out. All of those people have done that for me. And to the extent that that they find that I'm a professional and I'm good at my work, um, I, I then that's just to a very long way of saying thank you. I I'm very humbled. So um, we're already. You got me, man. I'm. <laughs> You'd think that I was, you know, I clearly am aptly cast as Yakko because I haven't shut up talking about how grateful I am for 10 freaking minutes. <laughs> Perfect way to disarm you right off the bat, really. Uh Perfect. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you.
<laughs> uh, you know, you've literally, you know, been in everything. And of course, anyone listening to this podcast. Well, not, not everything, not jail yet, but the day's <laughs> not over. Maybe we'll check that box. But any, any millennial watching, you know, growing up in the 80s or 90s, saw you pretty much regularly on television from yeah. the Animaniacs to Pinky and the Brain to Jimmy Neutron, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, pretty much everything. And I have to ask you, do you take time now to reflect on your career or is it just on to the next one? Uh, no. In fact, it, it is yes and no. Yes, I take time to reflect. And I have, frankly, the whole way along. Because to me, um, I've reached an age now, which is a, a hell of a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Um, primarily because of what I get to do for a living. Um, but <clears throat> uh, Jordan, I'm a living, breathing example of that. You got to enjoy the ride, dude. You got to enjoy uh, I, I know there are people who may believe that we get a couple of shots at this. We come back as a, as a, you know, our favorite dog or we get, you know, reincarnated, whatever. I don't, I believe we get a shot at it. One really good shot. I, as I mentioned, my parents and three siblings, I was, uh, it was made very clear to me as a youngster that I had won the lottery just by being born into a nuclear family who loved me in the greatest country on the earth, the particular uh, current political zeitgeist notwithstanding. <laughs> and I am, the, I am the grandparents of uh, immigrants. My, I'm only a second generation American. My grandparents on both sides came from Eastern and Northern Europe. So I was raised with the, the idea that you get one shot, you've already hit the jackpot because you're born into a, a, a family who loves you. You're gonna be fed, clothed, educated, and turned loose to do what you wanna do in the greatest country on the earth. And the times have changed. I can talk about this. I was born into a, a healthy, um, loving Caucasian family. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The, we now know, and it is something that we've all known and think that we're, we're able to talk about it. But I've had gifts given to me just by the very nature of an accident of birth. I, I'm a white kid from the suburbs. Yeah. That does not mean that everybody who's born as a white kid from the suburbs goes on to work in Hollywood. You are a bright young man. You understand my point. Oh, yeah. I've never had to deal with issues because of my race, um, my gender identity, uh, not having a father in, in the home, any of that. Yeah. I started out with an advantage. I understand that. My parents understood that decades ago. So there were no excuses for yours truly or my brother Mike, or my sister Lori, or my sister Shelly. Uh, it was up to us. My parents could only do so much, and it's about personal responsibility, Rob. Off you go. Knowing that, I have taken, I don't even know how many opportunities to stop and say, holy shit, I am living my dream. Even when I'm broke, even when I didn't get the job for which I had four callbacks on. I, I had a pile of callbacks for Futurama. Billy got the job. He should have. 
Billy did way more than I would have done with that job. He's Philip Fry and Zoidberg and, you know, uh, Zap Brannigan. And he's one of my closest friends in the universe. But he should have gotten the job. He's better than me for that gig. So I mollify my, I, I feel sorry for myself for about 18 seconds, slap myself and say, who forced you to be an actor? Get over yourself. On to the next one. So I do both. I take the moments. It's a great question. I take the moments and have for the 42 years I've been in LA to say, holy shit, I got to work with Jonathan Winters today. Oh my God, I met Mel Blank today and worked with him. Oh my God, Little Richard signed my script because I worked with him. Oh my God, I'm working with Steven Spielberg. Oh my God, I'm working with Steven Spielberg <laughs> again. Oh my God, I won an Emmy. Oh my God, I didn't get Futurama, but Billy West is now a good friend. You see what you, you see my point? Yeah. I have nothing but gratitude for the whole freaking ride. And so your question is a very excellent one to a person my age. Uh, I wear long sleeves even in the summer because my arms are black and blue from pinching myself. Hmm. You're looking at a lottery winner, my friend. And, and uh, I'm really good at my job and I should be, but I don't draw them and I don't write them. Hmm. I'm here because of people like Doug Langdale and Butch Hartman who create these things and animators and storyboard artists and writers whom, whom would remain, you guys would go, never heard of them. But when I tell you what they wrote, you'd say, holy shit, are you kidding me? Oh, I know their work. But you see my point. Yeah. The stars, celebrities, always get the juice, even in animation, because there is something to be sure about the voice. Look what happens to your face. You can't help it. Yeah. Right? Um, and the same with me when I worked with people who have that sort of um, recognition vis-a-vis uh, -vis their voice. But you see my point. It is a hugely collaborative effort. So I know who butters my bread. Um, and so thank you for asking that question. I'm sorry for the long, circuitous answer, but it, it, it is important because I know what I'm talking about and I'm 64 years old and I'm working as much now as I did when I was 34. That in itself is pretty unique. And I now can say, oh, yeah, Jordan asked me a great question. And he's right. I, I have taken the time to acknowledge my incredible good fortune, even if the good fortune was reminding myself that I'm doing what I wanted to do, but I'm broke. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm here doing what I chose to do, what my parents said, we, do, we don't want you to do it right now. You're a little too young. We think you should go to college. But off you go. Good luck. We've done our best. And they did. They did a great job. Hmm. So I, I have nothing but gratitude for my upbringing from where I came from and this experience uh, where I've lived longer in Hollywood than any place else in my lifetime has been a hell of a run. And guess what? I, I got another 20 years or so. I'm pretty lucky. Seriously. It's it's such a healthy perspective that you have, because even going back to your earlier point of just, you know, being born into a functional family in America, you know, that maybe put you in a great starting place, but you still got to run the race. Right. And I think totally. you've done that, you know, and totally. that's something. And also going back to your point of just being present and being able to enjoy the moments as they're happening. I was listening to an interview with, with Denzel Washington, and he says his mind is always on the next project, always on the next thing. And I think actors spend so much time trying to get present for the role but outside of the role, they're always looking at what's next, what's bigger, what's better. 
And it seems like you're enabled to reflect and seeing, you know what, you got to smell the roses while it's happening, trust and enjoy the process, not always about the next thing. Exactly. Uh, 100%. With all due respect to Mr. Washington, he doesn't need my juice. He's Denzel He's Washington. Yeah. Okay. But I, people often ask me, what's your favorite character? And I say the next one, just like Denzel. Yeah. But that is because I'm working. I'm not a movie star. Denzel is in a position in his career uh, uh, where he looks at whatever script he wants to do and decides whether or not it's worth his time um, or he does a project because his heart is in it or he does a project to say, Denzel, they've just set up it by another 4 million bucks. I mean, and he goes, all right, well, look, $8 million for six weeks work is $8 million for six. That's a different animal. Yeah. I am not in that stratosphere. In my case, I still audition. I get way more work given to me than I used to, but I'm, if Denzel Washington wanted to do animation, it would be who, who wants to hire me and how much are you going to pay? I get that. That's the nature of real celebrity. I'm fine with it. I have my ego is so not about my work. Um, but I do focus on the next job once one is over because I, I got to work yeah. as much as I love my work and love doing it for the sake of doing it art for the sake of the art. Uh, I got, you know, a couple of houses I've got, um, I love cars. I still like to eat and as, and so does my wife. So I have to work. Um, but also I suppose I could retire, but I don't want to, I don't think Denzel does either, but you see, there's a completely different, um, um, hierarchy. He's a bona fide, legendary Hollywood movie star. I have had a voice in creating legendary, iconic Hollywood animated characters. Yeah. But I am not a movie star. And um, so there is a distinct difference. I am, I think, a little different in that I am quite aware and very cognizant and do take the time to say, uh, as uh, um, Ram Das, who recently well, passed away, I guess, last year. I'm not a big Eastern philosophy follower, but he wrote a book called, in the 60s, I think, called Be Here Now. And that's precisely what it's about. It's about living in the moment, stopping to smell the roses, as you said, all the different aphorisms for the same thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do do that. Uh, and I, I can't not do that um, because, uh, Jesus, man, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on a freaking e-ticket ride. <laughs> I make my living doing what used to get me in trouble in high school with people that you mentioned at the beginning and Maurice LaMarche, Tress McNeil, Nancy Cartwright, Dan Castellaneta, Hank Azaria, uh, uh, um, on and on and on. Kevin Michael Richardson, Billy West, John DiMaggio, Katie Legends. Segal, Ron Perlman. These guys are all personal friends. Lorraine Newman, Phil Hartman, God bless them. They're all Brad Garrett, Kerry Elwes, people who come to my house, Dave Coulier, you know, I, I, I got to stop dropping names. Bob De Niro told me that, <laughs> but, but you see my point. These people are all Mark Hamill. These people have been to my kids' birthday parties. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> How lucky am I? Of course I want to stop and go, 
holy crap, I just got off the phone with Mark Hamill. He called me about something. Yeah, I don't. And you know what, kids, yourself and folks who listen or watch, don't ever lose that. If there's one thing I can say, be like Rob, be like me in the to the extent that you never lose the, oh my God, I'm working with Steven Spielberg. It's incredible. Don't ever lose that. Whatever it is, if you're a bowler and you get to bowl with your favorite bowler and you call your parents and say, I got to bowl with. Don't ever lose that. I want to have that feeling till I check, punch my ticket. Um, the number of times I called my parents, they're gone now, but the number of times I called my parents when I was in my 40s and said, you're not going to believe who I got to work with today. And, and my parents would get, honey, Rob just worked with uh, Dick Van Dyke and Rosemary. Tell us some more. Rob just got hired by Carl Reiner. Tell us, right? That, I, I, I'm the, I will never lose that. And I can categorically tell young folks, be like me. Don't ever lose that sense of awe uh, that you are where you are and you chose to be there. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Hold on, Rob. Give me a minute to tell my listeners about Plexiderm. Summer is over and fall is upon us, unfortunately. With so much changing, it's increasingly difficult to find that extra time for you, the time that you need to take care of yourself and look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you could look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. You could try a six application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE. Again, that's triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout. Make those wrinkles, lines just disappear with Plexiderm. And now, back to the show. I think there's a certain humbleness about voiceover actors and speaking with you and, and Debbie and a few others, I get the same impression. And I wonder if that stems from obviously just doing the voice. There's a certain anonymity that you keep in that when yeah. you go out, you know, you're kind of not in thrust in the spotlight of celebrity as maybe a lot of, you know, live action actors are. Do you think it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing? Do you think you're attracted to that work because of that anonymity that you get to keep? Or does it just happen by circumstance? Um, in this case, I love the way you ask your questions. By the way, you're really good. You're really good, kid. Um, I love that you ask an either or. And that the previous question was uh, yes and no, I think. And now it's it simple. is. Yeah, it's great. And now the question is uh, the latter. Uh, yes to the latter. Look, I, you were talking. You're talking to me because for whatever reason, you have determined that I'm worthy of talking to and I have credibility uh, I, you know, to the extent it matters, I have hardware. I have a Peabody, Emmy, Annie's, all that stuff. And I've been doing what I do and I, I'm good at my job. But, um, and by the way, I'd be lying if I said, I don't like it when people make a fuss over me. Are you kidding? I'm an actor for God's sake. And I came out here ostensibly to do live action. However, as I said earlier, my ego is in check because I am authentically about the work. I love to work. Without question, I love to see 
how my work affects people. In my case, it's all 100% joy. All I got to do is say, hey, Jordan, are you going to finish that croissant? Look at that. <laughs> or something. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and the people watching and listening, some of them are crying. Yeah. Because they can't not. They're going, oh, my God. I don't know what that's about. I know what it's about. And um, so, yeah, there is that element of it. However, when the opportunity to work in animation presented itself, even though I didn't come out here to do that specifically, my ego was in check to say, I don't give a shit. I want to work. Are you kidding me? Oh, wait a minute. I just worked on G.I. Joe and Transformers. Well, I was aware of G.I. Joe. Transformers, never heard of them. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. That was in the mid-80s. But I left those first few sessions working with actors whom I'd seen on television, not knowing they were doing cartoons. And the first thing I noticed, having done a, a, a fair amount of television and on-camera commercials, was that nobody gave a shit about how I looked. And I thought, oh, my God, this is what celebrities are after. To be able to be Bill Murray and do Ghostbusters and Stripes and all that, and then do Razor's Edge because it was a vanity project and he could. Young, unknown actors don't get to do that because we're typed, even old actors, because we're typed by this. And we, I get it. It's just the nature of the beast. It's not right or wrong. It's the nature of the beast. I've had jobs where I've had three callbacks and they call me and they say, God, you were so close. The network loved you, but they went with a black guy. Okay. No big deal. It's, it's showbiz. Yeah. However, in animation, none of that is applicable. I am utter, utterly limited, Jordan, by my creativity and the kindness of people to hire me. So my ego said, who cares? You're going to work. Let's see how this goes. And I'm glad that I did. Because now at 64 and, and not being a celebrity, I would still be limited by being an older white guy. Can you get, um, hey, Rob, they want to see you for an episode of the Goldbergs. You're the new next door neighbor who's come in and you're the only non-Jew in the neighborhood and they're going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Or you're the new, you're marrying into a Jewish family and you're going to convert to Judaism being a, a goy from Michigan, <laughs> right? So you go and read with 50 other journeymen, Caucasian, 60 plus year old actors who are not movie stars, but I don't have to. Because now the king of Hollywood has called me and offered me the job, the chance to do Yakko and Pinky and Dr. Scratch and Sniff again. Right. And look yeah. what happens to you, my young friend. Isn't that something? Yeah. Go right back to where so, I was as a kid watching it right. when I was eight years old. Amazing. And I know that because I got to work with Mel Blanc twice before he, he died. Obviously, when you work with people after they died, it's either you got a really great medium or you're working with a dead person. That's freaky. <laughs> but um, I worked with him on a Jetsons project and I had the great good fortune of sitting next to him. And I said, Mr. Blank, I was probably 30, 30 at the time. Mr. Blank, whew, like anybody with a pulse, I'm a fan. If you don't mind, and he, of course, knew exactly what I wanted because he did it a zillion times a day. And he took off his glasses and he said, yeah, what's up, Doc? And of course, I did what you did. I yeah. went. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Mel. That's for other people to do when I'm dust. But you see my point. 
you grew up with the characters that Debbie and I and others have, have voiced. And immediately upon hearing, eh, what's up, Doc? I was sitting next to my parents and my siblings watching Looney Tunes on the floor of, of my house at 30133 Westfield in Livonia, Michigan, eating Cocoa Krispies in yeah. 1967. Holy crap. So am I ever glad that my ego is such that I didn't need to be recognizable walking down the street. But you know what? As a result of nice people like you, it's happening more and more. Oh, yeah. And with, with social media, I joined TikTok a month ago because <laughs> my wife said, I think you could probably have fun here. I've done, I don't know, 12 videos. I have 256,000 followers, 6 million views. Now, I'm still kind of new at figuring that out, but I know that's for a non-celebrity who just joined to sort of have fun. That's pretty cool. That's remarkable. Nobody knows this. But as soon as I say, hey, God, I think so, Brain, but if Jimmy cracks corner, nobody cares. What does he keep doing it? Point. People go, holy crap, it's Pinky. Even if they weren't born 10 years before we did Pinky in the Brain, whatever. You see my point. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm now... I'm a bit of a late bloomer in the celebrity department, but my celebrity has started to catch up with me. It's caught up with my talent, I guess. Um, and I think that's better because if you're famous and it's like your fame is as a result of being the flavor of the month, um, there's a great line in My Favorite Year with Peter O'Toole in which he's, he says, don't you understand? I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star, okay? And I can say that I'm a good actor. I'm not as good as I will be when I'm 70. I'm better than I was when I was 50. And I'm working every day to get better. Now, when someone makes a fuss over me and they say, man, you're really good. Well, I am. I should be. I've done it for 40 years here. I've put in my 10,000 hours. Yep. So now, although I'm incredibly humbled when people make a fuss over me, I, I accept the compliment in the spirit in which it's given. I don't look at it and say, oh man, I don't deserve this. I better start drinking because I'm not okay. That's how shit happens, really. I know people have been in rehab three or four times. Honest to God, Jordan, if I would have arrived in Hollywood at 22 and at 25, been on a series that lasted three years and I was making, and I made all of a sudden, I had 8 million bucks in the bank. We would be discussing my book about how I made it through four trips to rehab. <laughs> and, and I know people who love their children as much as my parents love me, but they have had children who grew up in Hollywood and who have had too much too soon. And out of the three boys whom they love equally, one of them is in the dirt because he OD'd on heroin. And and I, I don't, you see what happens. Yeah. I'm a parent. I love my child. We did a great job, I think. But you do your best. Hollywood is a different animal to a young person. Fame is a way, way different aphrodisiac. I love it when people say, aren't you Rob? I sure am, because that's what happens. Yeah. It's all joyful. It's not, oh my God, that's Rob Paulson. I saw him walking out of the hardware store. Jesus Christ, his neck has got, 
his neck sags. That guy's really old, right? My God, how horrible. And especially for young women. Oh my God, every other day, there's something else from a Kardashian. I got no problem with the Kardashians, don't get me wrong. They seem like lovely people and God bless them. They've done nothing illegal. I don't have- They built an empire, yeah. God bless them. I'm not one of those people who goes, oh my God. However, the, the beauty bar that is set really high for little girls and young women, and thank God it's changing with plus size models and all of that and we're dealing now in a realm on social media. If I had little girls and they watched, I almost get tearful thinking about it. How do you tuck your sweet little baby girl into bed at night thinking she's less than because she's been bullied by people at school or people she's never met in Alaska about, oh, you're such a bitch. My God, look. And the language and the, and the cutting remarks that are just brutal. I never had to go through that. So, and, and I did, and I don't have to go through it now because if people recognize me and say, can I take a selfie with you outside the Starbucks? It's not about how I look. It's about, Hey, turn out, I'll tell you what, let's turn on your video instead of the thing. Hi, I'm here with Jordan. And uh, Jordan is not, he, he doesn't want to tell you, but this really old guy, yeah, this is makeup. It's really Yakko. I just want to want to be recognized when I'm walking around. This is my new friend, Jordan, and I'm going to have him up to the water tower. He can come up anytime he wants, unless, of course, he gets arrested walking on the lot, in which case he's on his own. Good night, everybody. Okay, so you take that video Incredible. and you blast it around, right? And everybody doesn't say, who the hell is that old guy? They say, holy shit, it's Yakko. It has nothing to do with this. And if it did, that's a totally different pressure. And I don't want that. My, the way it's worked out for me has turned out to be great. Because even if I live to be 95, like Dick frickin' Van Dyke, who still gets it and still is all there, just like Mel Brooks. And when Dick Van Dyke goes out to Starbucks, every now and then somebody will say, oh my God, it's Dick Van Dyke. Usually people my age, because he's old enough to be my father. And they say, Mr. Van Dyke, and they start to cry. I, I, I love Mary Poppins. And I, do you still know? And he'll say, you mean supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? <laughs> and then it gets blasted around. And Dick Van Dyke at 94 or 95 still knows what it is that makes people joyful. Yeah. And he knows how lucky he is. He's way closer to the end than the beginning. So am I. But we know what got us there. It's joy and shame on us if we don't take the opportunity to pour a little gas on that fire, especially in the current zeitgeist. Pardon me. Holy shit. If, we're, if, if we've ever had a time in which the axiom we're all in this together is more relevant, I don't know when it would have been. And moreover, we all, those of us who have made a very nice living in the happy business, if we don't take the time to acknowledge the kindness of people like Jordan or people who are civilians and walk up and say, oh my God, you're Rob Paulson. Let me tell you about what Ninja Turtles did. It got me and my brother through an acrimonious divorce. 
You need to hear this, Mr. Paulson. I really don't even know how to, that happens a lot. Uh, things like that. Um, Is that difficult to carry the weight of that emotion that somebody coming up to you when they say something like that? Not even a little. Difficult? No. It is precious. It is, um, I've worked really hard for the privilege of having people tell me that stuff. Um, the reason I take a moment to speak is because it, does, it gets pretty emotional because I've had the good fortune, privilege is really the right word, of having people through tears tell me things like, uh, Mr. Paulson, please call me Rob. Well, that's difficult, but I'll, okay, Rob, <laughs> come on. Um, uh, perfect example. Maurice LaMarche and I, a few years ago, were at, at, before COVID-Con, were at uh, a big comic, Dallas comic, I don't know, 60, 80,000, big, big event in Dallas. And when Mo and I get to do Pinky and the Brain together, it's fantastic, because Mo is just, he's won back-to-back primetime Emmys for Futurama, let alone being the brain. He's yeah. the real freaking deal, okay. And also, He's like a brother. I would die for Maurice. He's precious to me. We were at that event and I saw a young, young, probably in his mid thirties, uh, guy, big, badass biker looking guy, long hair, ponytail, tatted out beard with a pinky in the brain t-shirt about 20, 30 people back. So, you know, you can't miss the guy imposing comes up, makes it to the front of the line. And Mo and I are sitting next to each other. I said, hey, God, you're a big one, aren't you, Narf? He did that. And then he started to tear up. And he just went, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Mr. Paulson. I'm so sorry. Who man, I didn't think. I'd, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what's happening. And I said, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry, everybody. He's looking around. I mean, this is a guy who looks like he break your neck and he started to apologize because he was getting tearful Jordan and so you know we always take time to chat because we love to we don't make our living doing that we walk away with a couple of bucks but it's not about that it's about what it's about the circumstances about this privilege of speaking with people so we didn't know it turns out oh hang on a second um it turns out that this young man, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. The reason he was tearful was that he had done three tours of duty in the Middle East. And when he got his, gained his composure, he said, I, I just need to tell y'all, I don't need nothing signed. I don't need you to do me no video or nothing. And I'm using his words. It, it wasn't about his articulateness. It was about his heart. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to tell y'all what Bank in the Brain means to me because uh, I did three tours of duty in Iraq, and 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 I, and I and I when we'd go out on patrol, you know, my job was to kill the bad guys and, and not 
I could kill my own self, you know, and and we go back to to you know take a few days off after being on patrol, and it's really hard, Mr. Paulson. It's really hard. It's really hard killing people and making sure you don't get killed. Like I need to be reminded, it's really hard. But we'd watch Pinky and the Brain, man. You know, we'd have a couple of beers and. And uh, and there were folks that watched it with me that that couldn't that ain't here that couldn't come and see you because they're not alive anymore, Mr. Paulson. And I just I just think you need to know how it, it's not just about cartoons, you guys. It's and of course Mo and I were a mess. He told us all about that, and the people around him, you know. Were, Thank you for your service and for but all he wanted to do was drive, pay to get in, stand in line to tell us thank you for doing what we were paid really well to do. Yeah. And that he will never forget it because it helped him get through a hard job. A hard job? <laughs> His job was volunteering to be in the service and going over to kill people that we asked him to kill and making sure he wasn't killed himself. And then he could come back here, try to keep his head on so that he could go on with the rest of his life. Oh, and I'm going to take a few hours to go over and talk to these idiots who make their living doing pinky in the brain to tell them thank you. Now, that's why I don't, I, I take a moment to be very reverential when that stuff happens to me. I cannot get enough of it, Jordan, wherever it comes from. Yeah. Um, so when you are kind enough to take an opportunity to, to allow me to explain, um, I have to be reverential. It's like going to church for me because I have hundreds of stories like that wow. about children who've died and their parents about Parents who've lost their children, but the only way they could connect with their parent before they died was, my dad turned me on to Pinky in the Brain. And before he died, we were able to sort of say, wow, at least we have this in common. Are you kidding me? So um, I cannot get enough of it. I, I embrace celebrity now. If it means I get to hear more of that, oh, dude. I got way more out of that exchange than the young soldier, way more. So, and I'm doing it today. You are the one who gave me the privilege. You called me. I am the one who is grateful. This is not about um, my celebrity. You are giving me an opportunity to tell my story. Um, and to the extent it helps other people, that's what's important. You're the one doing me the favor. And and please don't ever don't ever sell yourself short in that realm. Um, we get publicists to help us do what you're allowing me to do today. So if you ever run into somebody who acts like they're a big shot or behaves in a certain way or cuts you short or doesn't call you in advance to say, do you mind moving this a half hour late? Here's the explanation. Screw them. Because <laughs> you're the one giving us the opportunity.
And that's the God's truth. Rob, I see why everybody loves you, to be honest. It's you're making me I'll cry. Screw here. them too. <laughs> you're making me cry here. This is some powerful stuff. This is turning into an episode of Oprah. This is supposed to be a really, you know, lighthearted <laughs> well, you know, by the podcast. Way, with all due respect, if she called, you're off the show. I want to talk. <laughs> no, thank you, buddy. And honestly, that thank you. Because that's the way it should be. Um I, I, not everybody is, you know, wants to be like me. And I, I and that's okay. But the the things that I've learned in my career, because I've done what you suggested, stopped and taken a breath when I got back to my hotel room and called Maurice and said, Jesus, Maurice, what about that guy, the soldier? Holy shit. What, what, how do we make sense of that, right? Okay. But because I've done that, I like this. I want to do this. Not everybody wants to open up. And I understand that. They want to be very clear and separate their personal lives from their work. Great. That doesn't mean they're better or worse than any of us. I, my work is utterly about joy. It's turned out that way. And I am what you see today on your screen or in your listening on your headphones is utterly authentic. This is how I move through my life. And I want to. So because my work is joyful, I choose to cultivate opportunities like you have given me today to spread it. And when people say, oh my God, I love Pinky the Brain. Well, hey man, I heard this guy on on uh, Jordan Holzer's podcast, um, Ron Pullman, Ron, I don't know what the guy's name is. Apparently he's a cartoon guy, but I was in the service. I gotta tell you, this guy really gets it. Not because he's a genius, because soldiers told him or pe parents who've lost their children told him what these cartoons mean to him. Jordan, I never knew until I was probably 50 or 55, I didn't really know how deeply people connect with these cartoons. I mean, they've always made me laugh, but I never knew that, I mean, it makes sense, but the soldiers take their Ninja Turtles DVDs with them or their Ninja Turtle pillowcases with them or parents keep pictures of me talking on the phone, split screen with their little boy who died finally of cystic fibrosis. And they put that on a Christmas ornament because here's Jordy talking to Yakko, not Rob Paulson, Yakko. And I'm fine with that. So I want to share these stories, man, that it turns out that joy, empathy, humor, kindness, laughter, just like love, come from the most unexpected places. And, and I, if you're open to it, and you're aware of it, and you're, like my friend Jordan asked, living in the moment, then those moments won't pass you by. Even if your child dies, or even if your buddy gets killed, you say, man, I'm going to remember how important Pinky and Brain was to me. I see that this fella is coming to Texas. I'm going to go talk to that man. That's why it's important to live in the moment. So I, uh, once again, you blew me away by your kindness <laughs> to let me be on your show. Childhood is such a formative time. And I think that's what oh. makes it resonate with people through all of this. You know, I still have vivid memories of watching Saturday morning cartoons and, and yep. hearing your voice. It's, it's something yep. that really lasts with people. And I think people underestimate the value of cartoons and animated series, but 
I'm just, you know, you came about right as the boom in the 80s and 90s, a children's program with Hanna-Barbera and Nickelodeon. What, did you just kind of ride that wave? Was it just about making connections with, you know, creators and studio executives? It just seems like it was perfect timing for you to have this career. Exactly. 100%. You asked and answered your own question. (laughs) Um, Much better than I. I uh, have more than several um, moments in my life where I was living the axiom that luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Little did I know that uh, little Rob Paulson creating character voices because I was enamored with Peter Sellers, Jonathan Winters, Carol Burnett, Red Skelton, Johnny Carson, you know, all the usual suspects, the Pythons. But little did I know that when I was creating voices and and learning to sing in them, just because it made my soul happy and chicks dig it, um, and I, I got attention. Yeah. Um, little did I know that when I was doing that at 12 or 13, not with an eye to doing it as a profession, but when I did choose after lots of theater and lots of live music at 22 to say, I'm ready to jump in the pool. Hmm. Like zillions of kids, little did I know that although I came to LA to sing and do live action at 36, I got lucky because I was prepared and the opportunity presented itself in Hollywood, 2000 miles from where I was creating character voices. Not, I didn't even know what they were called. It was just fun, right? So all of a sudden I'm in Hollywood having worked with Steven Spielberg on ET on um, tiny tunes and amazing stories. And now there's a brand new show with a clean sheet of paper with Tom Ruger, who created Tiny Toons, with Andrea Romano, who directed Tiny Toons, with Gene McCurdy, who was the head of Warner Brothers Animation when they created Tiny Toons, with Steven Spielberg, who also was the exec on Tiny Toons. I put myself in 1978 in a position to get lucky by driving to California um, in 1992. I'm standing there and for the first time and only time in my professional life, I had already had success, Ninja Turtles, blah, blah, blah. Everybody who needed to know who I was knew. Rob, we're putting together blah, blah, blah with Steven, Tom Ruger, get that idea. We'd love to have you audition for Animaniacs. I saw the stuff. I knew it was going to be music all over the place. I'm a singer. I had been since I was youngster. I read music. I can sing in character. They knew that I could do that. I'd already done it. So now the opportunity presented itself and I was prepared. And it was my pitch. And it's the first and only time in which I've said to my friends, who are still my friends. I just heard from Gene McCurdy the other day, Tom Ruger last week. Um, And I'm working with Steven again. (laughs) It's the only time in my career where I've said, if you don't hire me for this, you're making a mistake. Mm -hmm. It was utterly authentic. It was not ego. I never said it to the other actors. 
I sent it to the people who are going to do the hiring. I still had to audition. It was like five callbacks for obvious reasons. It was a big deal, but I was right. Because if Ninja Turtles changed my career trajectory, Animaniacs changed my life. And I knew it. I knew that, holy crap, am I ever lucky? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm lucky because I was prepared and the opportunity presented itself. And I chose without knowing anybody in California to go to California because I knew that's where I had to be to get lucky. Yeah. And that's what it's about. Luck is the lottery. Luck is going to Vegas. I don't do that. Um, I also understand that once I got lucky by being in the right place to audition with my chops, the only way that the star continues to rise is if everybody does their job better than I do mine. I'm way better because everybody else makes me look and sound better. And that's not hyperbole. I'm good at my job, but holy shit, look who I'm surrounded with. How could I, I better be good because if I got to keep up with Tress McNeil and Jess Harnell and Maurice LaMarche and Tom Ruger and Steven Spielberg, that's a pretty high bar. Yeah. You often, they hire people. You do a couple of episodes and they say, God, Rob, we love you. You were great on Tiny Toons, but just, it happens. Actors get replaced all the time. So, it's lucky if you get the job, maybe, but you got you to produce. So you see my point. All of that is to explain how luck happens. Um, and I look back and, I, and I, I was correct. I've had epiphanal moments when I can specifically look back and say, wow, I'm sure glad I did this when I did that. Or, hmm, that's a place where I should have turned left when I, should have, when I turned right. Okay file that back in the memory bag when that opportunity or if it does come up again remember that because nobody gets out, out of, nobody gets out of here without a couple of dings yeah. and nobody gets it right every time but on balance if you get to my age and you go wow if all of a sudden in the middle of jordan's podcast i clutched my chest and fall fell over <laughs> and was dead it would be a drag for jordan because it's a tough way to end the, the show <laughs> but on balance I'm, this has been a really lovely ride. Then uh, I don't think you can ask for too much more than that. Yeah. No, if you did drop that, it would be great for our ratings. I, I would say that. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Rob Paulson decided to check out on Jordan's podcast. Rob, I got a million downloads. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. Or thanks, dude. Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know you're a state something. Uh, yeah. So I, I have, you know, I have to ask you, we, I spoke about this with Debbie when she was on, but I kind of view voice actors as kind of having a superpower and, you know, to be, yeah. to be able to kind of project and create all these different characters. Was this something you were doing as a kid mimicking people you were seeing on TV or in movies? How did you hone this craft growing up? Just, as I said earlier, just by doing it for the hell, the, just the hell of it. Um, I, I started to get attention by being funny. Um, I'm not a stand-up. That's a, a singular skill that I do not um, possess. I'm a pretty good improviser. I have a lot of improv background, but my God, the people I got the improv with were people like Phil Hartman and Lorraine Newman and, and Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman and, 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 you know, Cassandra Peterson, who's Elvira, Jesus Christ, you know, Maurice LaMarche, Chris Hardwick, you know, I get to hang out with people who are so smart, 
that they make me way better. Um, but I didn't know them when I was a kid. I just did it because it made me laugh. I'm pretty good at entertaining myself. Um, and it made my friends at school laugh. I, I grew up playing hockey. It made my hockey player buddies laugh. And then if you find somebody who, whom you're attracted to, to, and it turns out that often when you're a kid, girls say, well, he's not that cute, but he's really funny and I like that. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I'm not a looker, and I never have been. Thank God my wife lowered her standards for me. Um, but it turns out that often young girls, or if you happen to be gay, young men or young women of the same sex, love senses of humor. How many times have you seen, objectively, <laughs> a, a, a man who's married to a woman, and you look at her, and I'm, I'm straight, so I look at a woman and say, oh, my God. Love, if love isn't blind, it's really freaking nearsighted because that guy is way better, you know, way, even I am better looking than that guy. But he opens his mouth and she says, well, perfect example, Shirley Jones, um, Mrs. Partridge, right? Um, from the Partridge family, um, um, the star of, of uh, the music man, Shirley Jones, Sean Cassidy's mother, you know, she's beautiful. I had a huge crush on Shirley Jones. She's probably... 85 now, and she's still gorgeous. Sings like Julie Andrews, you know, right? Um, but she was a she is a movie star, and she was married to Marty Ingalls. Now, you look up Marty Ingalls online. I will. You see, you see the two of them together, <laughs> and with all due respect, Marty's gone now. But I remember Shirley Jones was asked in an interview. Um, I had the same business manager as as Sean Cassidy for years. So I remember saying to my business manager who knew Sean's mother, Shirley Jones, yeah. what the hell was Shirley thinking about when she married Marty in Ingalls? You know what her answer was? Well, he makes me laugh. So you see my point. That happened to me as a kid in high school. I was, I'm not a good looking man. But if you, if you find out that you don't have looks, you're not, you know, you're a good hockey player, but you're not. 6'2 and 240, but you're really funny. And girls dig it. Oh man, you're going to cultivate that. And now, if I don't care, it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, bi, if somebody whom you find attractive and they're attracted to you and they get to know you, and the word around town is, yeah, he's not that good looking, but this guy really finds him attractive because he's funny, you're going to keep doing that. Yeah. So, there you go. Oh yeah, look at uh, Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann. You know, Judd Apatow is Thank you. you know genius. Thank comedian. you for doing that for an old guy because it sounds like I'm just like this old cranky old bastard. I'm just giving the millennial analogy. <laughs> Thank you. You that that's great to know because you know the truth is the truth. Yeah. And Judd, I don't know Judd, but my suspicion is that he's encountered that more than once. And he says, "Yeah, kissed my ass." <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I love that. Because I'm the same way. I've had people ask me when they meet my wife, how did you get her? And they're, they're serious. And I, I'm funny. Yeah. So it, it works. You know, I mean, even we mentioned Julie Andrews. Oh, my God. I met her 10 years ago when she was in her mid-70s. Stunning woman. And just as nice as you'd want Mary Poppins to be. Now, she was married to Blake Edwards. If you look at Blake, he's gone now. But he's not, never, in my view, okay? Doesn't matter. Um, 
they made it work. So clearly there is something to be said about creativity and humor um, with respect to being attractive. And, and I learned that when I was a kid in high school or junior high. So if I could get the prom queen to like me because I made her laugh, I'm in pal. Yeah. I don't even know how we got to this, but uh, I'm glad the tangent had turned there. I wanted to play a, a little game with you, uh, Rob. And I'm convinced, you know, since you've been in, it's like over a thousand things on IMDb. I'm convinced that you don't know what you've actually been in. So I'm going to give you two shows, okay. one you've been in and one you haven't. And I'm okay. curious if you can remember which one you've been in. Okay. Okay, great. Hopefully IMDb is up to date. So were you in My Life as a Teenage Robot or My Little Pony and Friends? I think I was in the first one. My Life as a Teenage Robot. Is that right? No. My Little Pony and Friends. We could cut this out of the podcast. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. No, <laughs> no, keep it in there because it makes me look a lot busier than I am. Are you, are you seriously? Are you serious? I, I'm dead serious. Yeah. You were in My Little Pony and Friends. Wow. I thought I was in My Life as a Teenage Robot. Isn't that the one with um, uh, Janice Kawhi Jan that was the star of the, no, maybe I. And again, I'm going off your public IMDb. So this could wow. be- Wow. Uh, well, you I know. can tell you, I have never either added or deleted. I, I've never done Wikipedia or IMDb. I don't know who puts that stuff up there. Okay. I Years ago, my son said, have you ever Googled yourself? And I said, <laughs> well, not, not for anybody to see. Yeah. What do you mean? I didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I used to do that as a kid, but my dad told me to make me go blind. What do you mean? Um, he said, no, no, let's look you up. And I said, I don't know who put this stuff up there. Most of it was was truthful, like my age, where I was born, all that. I had a son, you know, married. Um, but I don't know who put stuff up there, but I promise you, I really thought it was robot. Um, wow. Okay. That is, that either indicates that I am more prolific than I think, or that I'm in my early stages of Alzheimer's. Are you ready for your next one? Sure. Okay. Were you in Pepper Ann or My Dad the Rockstar? Pepper Ann, for Pepper sure. Pepper Ann, yeah. Because I, I knew the, the creator, I forgot her name, lovely girl. And she looked a lot like Pepper Ann. She's a very <laughs> smart lady, really smart lady. Um, but yes, I was definitely in that. I think once, maybe twice, but once, yes. Okay. Last one here. So we have a chance to you know at least get the majority. Were you in Rugrats or Cat Dog? Rugrats. Ooh, I have Cat Dog here. Holy crap. And again, I'm just going off public IMDb. You may have been in Rugrats. Oh my God. You know what though? Wait a minute. Well, it must've been Cat Dog. That was at Nickelodeon. Yes. But I recorded at Klasky Shupo for Nickelodeon, uh, which in Klasky Shupo used to be on um, Highland or La Brea. I think it was Highland. Highland and uh, Fountain. And I recorded in that studio and I thought it was for Rugrats. But clearly it wasn't I, that. Well, I got wrong <laughs> on 66% of my questions. Holy smoke. <laughs> That's a great game though. That's a great game. You know, there's no way I'd expect you to know that, you know, you've been in so many things and oftentimes in just very small or minor roles, I feel like there's no way you could remember. So I was just curious oh. to just generally, you know what it was, you know? it must've been it must have been cat dog. It, that's correct, right? Yeah, says cat, cat dog. dog. Okay. You know what it was? There is a reboot of, of Rugrats coming. Ah, and there I, is. I 
got a couple of callbacks. That was about a year and a half ago. That's what it was. I thought, okay, that's what it was because that is freshest in my mind. <laughs> They're both Nick shows. Yeah. Um, and Tom Kenny and Jim Cummings were the two halves of Cat Dog. Yep. I don't know which, but they're both really close pals. Oh yeah, Tom Kenny, um, of course, who voices SpongeBob SquarePants as well. Yes, um, only recently, and I flipped out. I got to call my. There's a good another good example. At sixty something years old, I called my siblings and said, "Hey, you guys, I finally made it on SpongeBob. <laughs> Isn't that great?" I was so excited. I still get, like I said, like I yeah. did earlier, I still get blown away by how lucky I am. Um, lucky I am, but. Um, no, that's a great game. Um, wow. See, all this has done is serve to remind me how really, really, really grateful I am for this prodigious, crazy, lovely career that I'm still enjoying. And my friend, I don't know if you've seen the latest trailer for Animaniacs. I was going to get to it. Yeah, it looks Holy. incredible. I've never 20th. seen it. Yeah. I never saw it until the other day. It's close to 2 million views in two days. And yeah. it's really good. And I love how they kind of spun it off of the live sports commercials that they do on the, you know, on the professional athletes where they have the Animaniacs about to sign this check. They're like, no, we don't believe in reboots. Oh, here's $700 million. Okay, we're in. They totally get it. Yeah. And, yeah. To the, and, and the overarching like 96% of the comments are, oh my God. I was a little concerned, but I am all in without one episode, just a trailer. And we knew what we had a year and a half ago when we started recording, but I've not seen it until the other day. And it's excellent. And Matt, my friend, this is a great way to close because it turns out that 2020 has delivered a shit ton of lemonade, a lemons to the world. Impossible numbers of lemons. But you and I and Mr. Spielberg and the other folks in the happy business have this incredible opportunity in our circumstance with Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain to deliver the biggest, sweetest batch of lemonade to save 2020. Yeah. And, and that is not to say, to, to sound self-aggrandizing. Anybody who's heard this interview knows I understand it's not about me. It's about a collective effort. But look at this chance we have to bring untold amounts of happy to people, depending upon how you vote, are going to be licking their wounds, trying to figure it out. Who knows what's going to happen after November 3rd. Yeah. But on November 20th, for a while, People can look and share it with their children, with their grandchildren. People older than I who love Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs are going to get to watch, are going to get to A-B, their favorite episodes from when you were a, a little guy, and also watch brand new episodes that quickly yeah. with a 25-year gap. Same actors, same voices that make you um, smile, shudder, smile, yeah. shudder, right at your, in your, right at, in the, in your heart. Yeah. The same characters, same subversive humor with a 25 year gap with the King of Hollywood 
and and four characters who are utterly, pardon me, arguably iconic. How remarkable. This technology wasn't around when we did this 20 odd years ago. And we have it teed up for us because the world has never been literally, in, in my case in California, on fire yeah. like it is right now. And we are the ones, not just us, but the, those of us in the happy business have the singular privilege of helping people drink this lemonade. Jesus, God almighty, Jordan, how that's luck. How lucky am I to be in a position never in a million years. But you know what? Mr. Spielberg provided the opportunity. We were prepared and now we're getting lucky. Oh my God. Thank you for letting <laughs> yeah. me speak my piece, pal. What a great way to end it on, Rob. It really was an honor talking to you today. And, you know, it's funny, you, you, you know, you listen to your childhood heroes as a kid. And you never know if they're going to live up to what you yeah. expect in your mind. And I have to say that you've exceeded all expectations. So it is a well, true honor. Thank you. I won't even try to make a joke. That is, um, <laughs> that is something that I will never, ever, ever take for granted, my young friend. And um, as I said, uh, I've worked really hard for the privilege of hearing that. Um, it's, uh, you've, made, you've made my day and you've had a hand in making my life very happy. So thank you very much. I'd like to thank my guest, Rob Paulson, for coming on the podcast again. Check out The Animaniacs tomorrow on Hulu. I cannot wait for it. It's been like 20 years. Steven Spielberg produced it. It's going to be incredible. Next week, I am joined by the directors of The Orange Years. This is a documentary that came out recently all about Nickelodeon. It's rise to power in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's got guests from everyone who was a part of it, from Keenan and Kel to Melissa Joan Hart. It's a must watch. It's an incredible documentary. And I could not wait to speak to the directors of the film. So check that out next week. Until next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube